Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, it's good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here. And again, a welcome to those who are joining online as well. Uh, So I just want to start with a quick show of hands. Please raise your hand if you're bold enough to say, yes, I made some sort of New Year's resolution. Okay, I see some. Keep your hand up if you'd say, so far, so good. Okay, all right. Put them back up if you made a resolution. And keep your hand up if you'd say your resolution has something to do with Uh, Getting something done, accomplishing something, or doing something more. Yeah, a lot of hands. That's kind of how we're wired, right? We think about what we can do next and better and different, and we think it must involve adding something more, taking something else on, getting something accomplished. We want to be more. We want to be better. And of course... It's natural for us to want to be better parents or more effective employees, maybe a more dedicated volunteer. It makes sense. And we think of us uh, who have chosen to follow Jesus, we want to be more dedicated to the one we call Lord and Savior. We want, in a sense, to be better disciples. We just want to grow, and that's natural. But for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking together at some some invitations from Jesus and some words from all of Scripture that actually are going to invite us to do some things, embrace some things that will help us to grow into and live into some, some childlike rhythms that God has in store for us, that Jesus invites us to embrace. Childlike rhythms. Jesus points us again and again to a childlike faith. We read in the Gospels that there were many times, several occasions at least, when Jesus pointed to a child or to children and said, this is what you need to look like. You need to grow to be more like this kind of person if you are truly going to enter and embrace the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples, truly I tell you, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And so in these weeks ahead, we can continue to ask that question, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to embrace and enter the kingdom of God like a child, to grow in faith that is increasingly childlike? And what is it about childlikeness that that God seems to treasure, that God is seeking in us? So I'm excited to explore these questions together in the weeks ahead. In preparing for this series, uh, I've really appreciated and been powerfully impacted by a book by Pastor Mandy Smith called Unfettered. In her book, Smith imagines a childlike Christian faith free from many of the trappings that we have often placed on the Christian faith because it just seems like the grown-up thing to do. It seems like the responsible thing to do. And Smith challenges her readers to consider if if we have perhaps, maybe even subconsciously, applied some some more Western-leaning values and goals 
to the teachings of this Middle Eastern rabbi whom we call Lord and choose to follow as Savior. Smith asks how we can grow in our desire to be faithful to Christ, to grow in childlikeness, and not take ourselves too seriously, even as we are seriously committed to our faith. How might we as children of God better resist the temptation to take on responsibilities that actually were, were never ours to shoulder? How do we recognize as children of God that there are things that are God's responsibilities that he is more than happy and willing and able to take care of? This book, Unfettered, comes out of a season in which Pastor Smith was given a sabbatical, a break from her pastoral duties, a season of several months away, a sabbatical, which literally means a rest, a break. And she recognized that she entered that time actually not desiring to take a deep rest, but to actually bring a long list of questions to God, long list of questions about life, about ministry, And she recognized she had an equally long list of problems that she wanted God to solve as she entered this sabbatical. And as Smith puts it, I wanted a business meeting with God, but it turned out God wanted a picnic. God's boredom with my questions soon became apparent, and so I reluctantly joined the picnic. And it was out of this time of picnicking with God that this book was birthed. I think it's hard for us, hard for us in our society to actually consider rest as, as something that's, that's, that's a worthy goal. Rest as something that's actually a full-fledged activity, not just this necessary uh, burden, something to be embraced between the other things that really count. We work and then we rest so that we can work some more. We tend not to work well at resting, but we think of rest as something that really just prepares us to work again. So we might be surprised to discover that rest is actually something that is highly valued in Scripture, highly valued by God. It's meant as a goal that God has in mind for us. It's part of how we were designed. It's an activity that we're meant to grab hold of and joyfully receive and embrace. Sabbatical, I said, means rest, comes from the same word as Sabbath, this break, this rest. In the Bible, we see that Sabbath is used to describe a day or a week, a season, even a year of resting for people from their work, for animals for their work. It even applies to fields, to agriculture. God designed everything that he created with rest in mind. Sabbath was intended to remind people that rest is something that even creator God embraced. The creation story of Genesis 1 ends this way. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And because God made that seventh day holy, God's people received in the law that God commanded this from Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In other words, if God rests, we probably should too. It's how we're designed. This law is given as the fourth of the Ten Commandments, kind of the pinnacle of God's instructions to his people. And so, understandably, God's people took this piece of the law very seriously. And so over time, religious leaders and teachers built up some some rules and regulations to help explain and describe at least what they thought um, appropriate keeping of this Sabbath looked like what kind of behaviors were acceptable or not acceptable on a Sabbath in order for it to be considered kept holy and kept right. And these rules and tinkering continued until the time of Jesus when in his day, keeping the Sabbath was a lot of hard work. It took work to get ready for it. It took work to honor it. And in some sense, it was appropriate that it required forethought and preparation but by the time of Jesus, Sabbath had become a time where there was just a lot, of, a lot of tension and anxiety and work around it that God never intended. It was as if a child was, was tucked in for the night, just kind of lying awake, worried that if mom or dad looked in to check on, on him or her, the blankets had to be just right on the bed. Something had gotten twisted out of perspective by the time of Christ. Rest was commanded because it was a gift. A gift that God really wanted to make sure his people took the time to embrace and enjoy. God made everything, and so God understood how people work, how animals work, how fields work. He knows that they need rest. He knows their lives are better, more fulfilling, more fulfilled. He knows their lives more accurately and fully reflect the goodness and the provision and the rhythms of God when they embrace the gift of rest. And so as we begin this new year, you might might find yourself kind of uh, energized, excited about opportunities ahead. You might find yourself weighed down, a little bit overwhelmed already with responsibilities. But either way, it may feel a little odd to begin the year to begin maybe even this series with an emphasis on rest. Why start with rest? Well, if we look at scripture, we see that leading with rest, rather than having rest as a goal to be earned, is something that's, that's nothing new to God and God's people. As we read earlier, Jesus was teaching one day and said to those around him who seemed weighed down by their cares and responsibilities, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I want to point out a couple things here. First of all, I want to make sure you, you notice that God, or Jesus begins this prayer by thanking God for how he has revealed God's plans to the people he created. And Jesus says, God, thanks that you didn't reveal these things to the people we might expect, to the wise, to the learned. Instead, you've revealed them to little children. And I'm sure Jesus is speaking here liter uh, literally and metaphorically. We see that, of course, little children are welcome to come into the presence of Christ, welcome to enter the kingdom. But Jesus is saying, and so too are those who choose to become like them who choose to become like little children, who embrace childlikeness, the kingdom meant for those who perhaps by their very nature find themselves much closer to the life circumstances of a child than to those of an academic scholar. To these, Jesus says, belongs the secrets of the kingdom. And to all those who are leaning in and listening to Jesus that day, and as we hear his words, as we listen with the intensity and curiosity of little children, we hear Jesus say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, if you continue to read this passage, you'll see that Jesus goes on to explain what discipleship will look like, explain some of the work involved in following him. But Jesus begins with an invitation to rest. He begins with this offer of, of reprieve from burdens, from worries. Because the call of Jesus isn't come and work really hard until you deserve a break. Jesus calls us to rest as a starting point. And so what do we get to rest from? In Unfettered, Mandy Smith suggests we actually get to rest from thinking that we run the world. Why try to run the world when, like little children, we can simply embrace it? We can live in it. We can run around in it. Smith quotes early childhood educator Katie Smith. Toddlers own a room, and they assume they are welcome. They're driven by intense curiosity and they go for it without overthinking. They feed themselves, their bodies, their minds, and their souls without apology. Toddlers are not afraid to say the hard things or the joyful things. They tell you when they're hurting and they'll look to you for your support. They wear their band-aids proudly to show what they've been through and that they're getting better. Toddlers, children, know how to rest from responsibility because there are, there are times they don't even think about possibly taking on big things. And we too are invited to rest from the impulse to try to run the world, to try to be God. Mandy Smith says Sabbath is not just a day off. Sabbath is actually about life and death. In fact, in Sabbath, God invites us to practice for our own death in two ways. We get to practice being used to uh, being in God's presence for the pure sake of it. And we get to learn to trust that God can carry the weight of the world without us being on the earth. 
We never see in the Bible rest represented or presented as an interruption to the really important stuff. Rest is portrayed as a, a precious gift, as something holy. In some ways, it's presented as one of the most profound goals of humankind, as the people created in God's image, created in the image of a God who rests. And we see this in Hebrews 4, where we read, since the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as God's people, the Israelites, did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed entered that rest. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now sometimes when we hear um, about someone entering their rest, we think about the time when they've, they've come to the end of their earthly life. And that's sometimes referred to in the Bible as well. But here the writer of Hebrews is referring to God's promise to lead his people, the Israelites, into the land that he promised them after he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And during their long and difficult journey to get there, there were some people who disobeyed and ended up paying with that disobedience with their lives. But those who entered the promised land were said to have entered God's rest. Now for sure, even after they got there, there was plenty of work to do. There were fields to prepare, there were homes to set up. There was worship of God to pay close attention to. And so God's people's days were filled with the stuff of everyday living. But God called this life in the new and promised land a life of rest. They were finally where God wanted them. It was a place where they could rest from their works of striving for a sense of settledness, even as they embraced the joys and the hardships of everyday life. Because life can be really hard. God knows that. Adam and Eve learned that, and so has just about every person to be born since. We all come to grips with the reality of the hardness of life. We live in a broken world that, that sees us having to work harder than God originally intended. But God still calls us to rest. God still calls us to the place where he wants us to live, and he calls that a place of rest. God says, in obedience, you will find your rest. And Jesus still calls to those who are weary, come, and I will give you rest. Before you take up your yoke, before you enter this often difficult walk and journey of discipleship, I will give you rest. I think we can learn a lot from children what it looks like to free ourselves at least a bit from the weight and responsibilities of this world, at least from those things we were never meant to take on. Now, we might not want to learn from children exactly what it means to embrace physical rest. As we said together in our call to worship, we can all imagine a child crying, I don't need a nap, even as she can't keep her eyes open. 
Children don't always readily embrace opportunities for physical rest. My wife and I, when we had younger kids, said, you know, naps are wasted on the young. (laughs) But when children do succumb to the tendrils of sleepiness, man, they sleep hard. They sleep without worries. They sleep the sleep of those not overly concerned with burdens and responsibilities and hardships. They sleep hard after a day of playing and working hard. So my prayer is that in this new year, we may learn from the little children whom God still points to in our midst and says, be more like them. May we hear and respond to the invitations of Jesus as he beckons us to times of rest. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases our passage from Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I believe Jesus wants us to take him very seriously, to take his claims seriously, to understand that his claims and call on our life are, are serious business. But I can also picture Jesus breaking into a smile as we break into a skip at least occasionally in our walk with him, as we stick close to his side, as we live into the days of of adventure and grace that Jesus leads us into, as we embrace the nights and maybe even some daytime naps of restfulness. I pray that God would grant us faith that grows deeper and more childlike every day in this new year. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you that the truth of Jesus loves me, this I know, isn't a truth we ever grow out of. Jesus, would you grow our love for you, grow our faith in you, And help us to grow young, even as we grow up more fully into our identity as beloved children of God. We ask this in your name. Amen.